Good morning. Well, as you know, this is my last Sunday as Director of Equipping at Church of the Palms. When Steve asked me if I wanted to preach today as my swan song, Don, my thing's not working here. I'm just going to move this so I can see it. Okay, I, I kind of knew what that meant, but I decided to look it up anyway. Webster's number one definition of a swan song is a song of great sweetness said to be sung by a dying swan. (laughs) Wikipedia is not much better. It says it is a metaphorical phrase for a final gesture, effort, or performance given before death or retirement. (laughs) Well, I'm definitely not retiring, quite the contrary, and I hope I'm not dying yet. So I'll go with Webster's second definition, a farewell appearance or final act or pronouncement. Hopefully there will be some sweetness in it, too, like the swan. Well, God has called me to a new place of ministry, Venice Presbyterian Church. It's a bittersweet change, bitter in that I will miss all of you, but it's mostly sweet because I'm very excited about this new chapter of ministry for a number of reasons. First, God's fingerprints are all over this call. From providential timing and serendipitous crossing of paths to how the doors have been flung wide open and every step seemed blessed. Second, the work that I will be doing at Venice Prez is remarkably similar to the ministry that I've had here as your equipping director at Church of the Palms. So I'm very excited about the ability to apply what I have learned here and in seminary in this new place to which God has called me. And third, it's a huge blessing to be able to stay so close. Um, I want to thank you all for the sweet and thoughtful messages of blessing in my new role that you have expressed to me over this past couple of weeks. So now let's turn to our lesson. We usually read the scripture passage first, but I would like to provide some context before reading it because I think it will make the text more meaningful to you and it will help you get a sense of the emotion behind Paul's words. So let's take a look at Philippi and the founding of the church in that place. You can see where Philippi is geographically on the map. X marks the spot. It is, in the, it is in northeastern Greece, in the region of Macedonia. In 356 B.C., Philip II of Macedon, who was the father of Alexander the Great, took over the city and named it after himself. He established it as a military stronghold to protect the lands that he had conquered and the nearby gold mines. Plus, it was an important, um, important as a land route across Asia. Philippi is famous for one particular event. In 42 B.C., Mark Antony and Octavian defeated Brutus and Cassius, the assassins of Julius Caesar, in a battle at Philippi. Subsequently, Octavian, who was Caesar's heir, assumed the name Augustus and became the first Roman emperor. And he again established Philippi, as a Roman military outpost. The present municipality, Philippoi, is located near the ruins of the ancient city of Philippi in Greece. 
When Paul came to Philippi around 49 AD on his second missionary journey, it was an important urban center populated by both Romans and Greeks. He and Silas started out that journey from Antioch. Again, X marks the spot and went through Derby and Lystra, where Timothy joined them. As they were traveling through Galatia, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia pleading with him to come there to help them. So Paul and his friends made their way to the city of Philippi. On the Sabbath, they looked for a place of prayer outside the city gate by the river and found a group of women and started talking to them. One of them was a businesswoman named Lydia, a dealer in purple, who was a worshiper of God. She responded to Paul's message of the gospel, and she and her whole household were baptized. Shortly after that, there was an incident where Paul cast out a spirit of divination from a slave girl and thus ended her master's fortune-telling business. Because of that, Paul and Silas were arrested, beaten, and jailed, the end result of which was that the Philippian jailer and his whole house became believers and were baptized. That was the beginning of the church at Philippi. Lydia's household, probably some women that were with her at the river, and the jailer's household. About a dozen years later, Paul wrote this letter to the church. It's important to note that this is a letter. It's a personal message from Paul to a group of people that he loved in a church that he birthed. When you hear it, keep in mind that we're reading somebody else's mail. Hear now Paul's words in Philippians 1, 3 through 11 from the New Living Translation. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Gracious God, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Give us grace to receive your truth in faith and love, in strength to follow on the path you set before us, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, I chose this passage of Paul's letter uh, for today's message because in it he shared his heart and his prayer for the church of Philippi. And similarly, 
I would like to share my heart and my prayer for you, my dear friends at Church of the Palms. And revealing his heart for the people of the church at Philippi, Paul tells them that they have a special place in his heart. Every time he thinks of them, he gives thanks to God. And whenever he prays for them, he's filled with joy. Why? Because they have been his partners with him in spreading the good news of the gospel from the day they first heard it. And they supported them with their prayers and with their gifts over the years through thick and thin. If he penned that line, I wonder if he paused for a moment and pictured in his mind's eye the day when he met Lydia and the women by the river where he told them about Jesus and they eagerly received Jesus and were baptized. He goes on to tell them that he knows they belong to God who will keep on working in them and that he personally loves them with the tender compassion of Christ. Like Paul, I am thankful every time I remember the people of Church of the Palms. This church has such a tender heart for the community and for anyone who is hurting. In addition to the ongoing work of the food pantry, preschool, tutoring, Honduras missions, and other ministries, during the time that I have been here, you have added the ministry of our annual Day of Hope, supported family promise for two years, underwrote the translation of the Gospel of Luke and the Jesus film so that a people group in Nigeria could hear the Gospel in their heart language and see it portrayed on film. You've packed tens of thousands of meals for the people in Haiti, suitcases for children in trauma situations going into foster care, You've provided food, clothing, and a large commercial refrigerator for the people in Immokalee, prayer shawls, teddy bears, and much more. You serve as greeters and ushers, teachers and small group leaders, helping us all to grow in our faith. You volunteer at the Welcome Center, new member class, and help new folks get connected and have a sense of belonging in this family of faith here. You follow up with visitors and work very hard to make sure everyone feels welcome. You make a safe, this place, a safe place for children and help create a sticky faith for our youth. You've built a new Palm Center so that we can reach out to community to help even more people experience kingdom life and come to know the saving power of Jesus Christ. And one of the things I cherish is that this is a place where people with opposite points of view treat each other with respect and can have civil discussions and work through issues together, treating each other with dignity. In all of this, you have allowed me to be a partner with you ever since God called me into full-time ministry. You were patient with me as I learned how to lead worship. You supported me all through seminary and our denomination's process of preparation for ordained ministry of the word and sacrament with your love and with your prayers and with your gifts. It has been one of the greatest honors and privileges of my life to serve side by side with you. I am unspeakably grateful, and you shall always have a special place in my heart. Paul's heart for the Philippians included a prayer for these people that he loved so much. 
He longed for them with the tender compassion of Christ. And his prayer for them was that their love would overflow more and more and that they would keep on growing in knowledge and insight because he wanted them to understand what really matters in life, what is real and has eternal value. He longed for them to always be filled with the fruit of their salvation, which is an impeccable character produced in their lives by Jesus Christ and which brings much glory and praise to God. Not that they had already arrived. He had not arrived himself, but it's a noble aim. As I follow God's call to the next chapter of my life in serving him, I would like to leave you with my prayer for you, my dear friends at Church of the Palms. Eight things that elaborate on Paul's prayer. There are only going to be ten minutes each. I'll have you out of here in 80 minutes. Not really. These are things that I long for you with all my heart because I can't think of anything higher or more noble to wish or pray for any human being. First, like Paul, I long for you to keep on growing in knowledge and understanding and grow strong in your faith. To follow Jesus so closely that as the ancient Jewish proverb goes, you are covered in the dust of the rabbi. And that means to consistently measure your life, all your decisions, all your choices, and all your actions by Jesus' example and by his teachings. Second, I long for you to understand what really matters in a way that makes a positive difference in your life, in the lives of your family members, and the people all around you. Thriving with a deep sense of shalom, of well-being, rather than living on a treadmill. Third, I long for you to know why you believe what you believe. Not just to come to church because it's what you've always done, but as Peter tells us, to be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks us for the reason of the hope that is in us, in doing this with gentleness and respect. Fourth, I long for you to hold on to Jesus in the storms of life, to sense his comforting presence, and then to be his comforting presence for others. I love Erin O'Donnell's song, Hold On to Jesus. In her first stanza, she says, you're a little piece of heaven, you're a golden ray of light, and I wish I could protect you from the worries of this life. But if there's one thing I could tell you, it's no matter what you do, hold on to Jesus, for he's holding on to you. Fifth, I long for you to find your gift, that treasure that God has placed within you that enables you to serve others in a way that fills your heart with joy. We have all been gifted with the ability to make a difference in others' lives. And whether you can do little or much, you can change the world one life at a time. The dreams God puts in your heart will look different at different stages in your life. But to quote Billy Graham, if you have a pulse, you have a purpose. One of my favorite stories that illustrates this is the star thrower. The short version goes like this. One day, a man was walking along the shore, 
As he looked down the beach, he saw a human figure moving like a dancer. He smiled to himself to think of somebody dancing to the day. So he began to walk faster to catch up. As he got closer, he saw that it was a young man, and the young man wasn't dancing, but instead he was reaching down to the sand, picking up something, and very gently throwing it into the ocean. So as he got closer, he called out, Good morning, what are you doing? And the young man replied, Throwing starfish into the ocean. The sun is up and the tide is going out, and if I don't throw them in, they'll die. But young man, don't you realize there are miles and miles of beach and starfish all along it? You can't possibly make a difference. The young man listened politely, then bent down, and he picked up another starfish, threw it into the sea past the breaking waves, and he said, it made a difference to that one. Six. I long for you as I long for myself to automatically, without thinking, overflow more and more with the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And you know, we can't make fruit. Fruit is the result of a natural process. And the fruit of the Spirit are the natural process of spending more time with Jesus and letting him transform us into his likeness. Seventh, I long for you to know, as well as you know your own name, that Jesus is unique in all the world, in all the history of the world. As you recite the Apostles' Creed each week, let the words penetrate your mind and your heart and your soul, so that you fully grasp the reality of them and they impact you where you live. Other religions may take us partway to God, and there is much we can learn from each other. But Jesus is God. Fully human, fully God, the second person of the Trinity. He was the Passover lamb, God's own sacrifice, who paid for our sins and the sins of the whole world. And one day, whether in this life or in the next, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And lastly, I long for you to echo Reese Nippert, a student in our youth group, an acolyte, a witness for Christ in her school and with her friends, and an inspiration to me personally. She, ch- she shared her testimony at our Hero Effect class nearly two years ago about God has helped her to overcome her struggle with RSD, a very painful autoimmune condition, and how he led her to organize a stuffed animal drive for children in the hospital. At age 11, she closed her story by saying these words to a room full of adults. I just love following God and Jesus. I think it's the only way to live. This, my friends, is my heartfelt prayer for you. Amen.